Welcome to Pivoting to Web3. Our experiences, opportunities, limitations, and downward spirals with guests and our hosts are going to be vulnerable to you, our audience. We're looking forward to talking to you, sharing with you, and getting educated. So once again, this is Donna Mitchell, host of Pivoting to Web3. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I have a guest today that I'm so excited about. You could probably hear it in my voice. His name is TJ Chang, and we get along so well. And you might want to recall the episode with Eric, Eric McHugh, same company, but we're going to get more information, deeper information, a deeper dive. We've got the main man here. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. Take it away, TJ. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome. Thank you so much. I love that introduction. I'm just going to have you on every podcast that I do now. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. You've done so much. And I want you to know, everybody listen up on this, because we're going to get some new information, some great information. Mm -hmm. I want to know how you ended up getting into the Web3 space. When I yeah. look at your bio, you've done a lot. You've been around and you've been around with the big boys. Tell us about it. And I've been around at some of the worst times and some of the best times too. But yeah, thank you so much for that intro. My name is TJ Chang. Uh, I'm one of the founders of ShopX. ShopX, in case you don't know yet, is a Web3 commerce platform. You know, it, it really depends on the audience that I talk to. If I talk to a crypto audience, you know, we can talk a lot about the fundamentals and the technology behind uh, ShopX and why we created this. But when we're talking to brands, people that are newer to Web3 technology, you really have to dilute that languaging down. So for, for those people, I just tell them, you can use our technology to create loyalty programs, to prevent bots. There's a lot of situ there's a lot of different use cases for Web3 technology in e-commerce, right? But people need that help. People need that, um, that plug-in, that easy way to be able to access this technology because not everybody has Web3 developers, not everybody has the marketing team that understands it. So for e-commerce, ShopX comes in as plug and play where you can utilize Web3 technology with just adding our app on Shopify or adding our app in WooCommerce, creating your project within five to 10 minutes and already using blockchain technology that would normally take you about six to nine months for any developer to create. So we're making Web3 accessible to e-commerce platforms and really taking verbiage, you know, really taking words like, simple words like blockchain, crypto, NFT, smart contracts, we're taking all of that out because people don't need to understand the complexities around the technology. They need to understand what does this do for me? How does this increase my revenue? And what can this do for my business? Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's why we did pivoting to Web3, because when I first came into it, it went over my head. I didn't understand it. But once I really started learning what it meant, I said, they're just using different technology. And they're it's using different terminology and they're mm -hmm. using different jargon in the old days. That's what we call them. Give me the real jargon. What's the real words? And that's what you have. Tell mm -hmm. us more. What's going on with it now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're in a very interesting time right now where I, I love that this is pivoting to Web3 because even though some people may or may not understand the pivot to Web3, everybody actually understood the pivot to Web2 when uh, so, so a little bit of background, you know, we have web one, web two, web three, web one was more static imaging, right? Like online pages, magazines were going online where you can click uh -huh. through web two was the introduction of user generated content, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, where people could be interacting, where your content can now be generating platforms. Right. So we all understood that I guarantee you in the nineties, when I told you that you could 
buy a piece of clothing off of somebody else's phone, you would have looked at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> yes, I right? would have. Or you can give somebody social validation or proof by tapping a button that a photo was taken on somebody else's button to know whether or not the market would like it. Like those, those types of uh, those types of actions in Web two, we now understand, right? But we didn't understand it before it came out. Uh, so we understood that shift over to Web two. We understood the concept of not necessarily understanding what this new technology could do. Fast forward 10 years, it's everywhere now. If you don't have an Instagram strategy, you don't have uh, a Facebook strategy or a social media campaign, you're you're behind the game. Every single business has one of those Web2 strategy games, right? And now we're at this next inflection point of Web3. Arguably at the beginning, I think we're already midway through this, this transition, but people now understood what it was like to get in late on Web2 and now we're on this transition again, and we're seeing it happen. We're seeing more adoption happen. We're still seeing people be a little bit hesitant around what this technology can do. But most of us now understand this is going to be the future. So what type of businesses are you finding that are very um, open to the idea of getting on mm -hmm. your site and getting busy with it and really getting engaged with it and utilizing it? Are there certain industries? Are there realtors, investors, or are these regular retail people, mom and pop uh, makers or millinery? What type of uh, businesses? Yeah, you know, as a, as a founder, I never like to corner myself into um, one niche, but I will say it, new emerging companies are always thinking about this. You know, we we found a lot of people that are in the uh, the hype where just simply because they have a lot of issues that Web3 technology can solve, right? A lot of people in the hypeware community where items are going out to bots, right? Bots are coming in, buying the um, buying the majority of the inventory, then reselling them on the secondary market. What that does is that dilutes the brand value. That means that loyal customers are having to pay a marked up price for this item that the brand isn't even benefiting from, right? If you look at these items that sell out within you know, an hour or two, mm -hmm. bots are coming in and buying them on the secondary market. That's a very big problem for brands. You know, like if we talk about the the biggest hype brands like Fear of God or even Nike or certain projects that have these botting issues, those are the ones that need the solution now, right? Those are the, the people that Web3 technology and what we do with token gating can help them right now. And there's a benefit now. Um, those oh. are the people that are very, that are much more, um, uh, attuned to joining on board right now. So today's audience, now we have a lot of people who understand what you're saying, but you're using yeah. some words and I got to backtrack because I want sure. all, all, all my listeners to understand what's going on and a lot of them are learning. And that's why we mm -hmm. have this podcast. What is token gating? Well, yeah, good question. So token gating, you can think of it as like the velvet rope, right? Behind a certain VIP, it can be an experience, it can be a purchase, um, whatever it is, just think of it as there's a gate, right? And in order to get past the gate, you need some proof of ownership, right? And in order to get that proof of ownership, um, we do it with what's called NFT technology. Now, when I'm selling this to a brand, I just say it's a branded pass, right? This, you can, mm -hmm. if it's, if it's the Jordan collection, you can call it the Michael pass, or if they, there's, there's certain things that you can get creative around, right? It, it, like a concert, you give them a ticket, mm -hmm. you have the ticket and you get behind the velvet rope. The thing about token gating is 
you as the customer, you own that pass. It's not the company owning that pass, right? So if the company were to ever shift, right? Let's say the company were to decide that they were getting bought out, they went out of business or something, they can then take away that pass. In fact, they don't even have to have a reason. They can just change the rules on you. Right. Um, the, the thing about Web3 is now I own the pass. Let's say I am a very enthusiastic Nike customer, right? Mm-hmm. I own this pass, but what if I don't like them anymore? What if they do something that I don't agree with? Or what if their clothes just don't fit? Or what if I just don't want to work out anymore? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can now sell my pass that I've spent a lot of time building value and building loyalty to. And I can benefit from that because I'm the one spending the money. I'm the one proving my loyalty to them. I can now sell my pass to somebody else that's going to value it just as much, right? So what token gating means is anybody with that pass can verify that they have that pass and get access to certain items. Now, why this is very important with brands that have super high demand and low inventory is that bots can't um, circumvent this technology. We actually have run tests and have some of the top hackers try to hack this and get bots into this inventory. And why bots can't get past it is because they can't own their own verification token to be able to get access into buying that product. Now, I can't give away all the secret sauce on how we do that, but uh, essentially you need to verify that you have ownership of a certain pass in order to purchase a product. Okay, so that's a really good explanation. And I'm going to wind you back just a little bit more. What yeah, is sure. a bot? Some people, are, oh, yeah. they probably experienced it, but they may not have known that's what it was. Because I've yeah. seen bots in a lot of different places with different usage. So could you explain that as well and give some uh, examples? Yeah, I can actually give a very relevant um, example, just a parallel to this uh, with even, you know, Taylor Swift tickets, right? Or um, Super Bowl tickets that are coming up. When something goes online that has a huge demand, people like me or like you, if we're a big fan, we're going to wait online to try to buy that pass. And some people know this. And they they game the system. So what they do is they take up most of the inventory. Let's say these tickets arbitrarily are selling for $1,000, right? They buy this ticket, inventory's out. Now they're selling it at two, dollars $3,000 on the secondary market, right? Mm. Um, and that money, that profit margin is going to the hacker, not to Taylor Swift, not to the concert venue, right? And so now I, as a loyal customer, is being forced to pay a much larger ticket value. And that ticket value isn't going to the creator who created that value. Oh. Right? So does that make sense, right? If I pay $1,000 to a Taylor Swift ticket, that money arbitrage other than sponsors or whatever, mm-hmm, should be going mm-hmm. to Taylor Swift, right? Right. Um, but if a hacker comes in and buys up all that inventory, takes all of the $1,000 uh, tickets, now they're selling at two, $300 on Ticketmaster or StubHub or something. They're the ones profiting and I'm the one paying more. And at a certain point, it's going to go beyond my value, what I'm willing to pay for, right? Exactly. Um, so that in, in e-commerce, right? Imagine if this was a brand. Imagine if there are these sweatshirts that everyone's waiting for all season mm-hmm. to buy and they they are selling these sweatshirts for a hundred dollars each mm-hmm. and now imagine bots come in take up the whole inventory 
Now they're selling them on the secondary market for 500. That automatically decreases the brand loyalty. That automatically decreases the pool of people that are able to afford $500, right? Mm -hmm. And me as a customer, I become less loyal to this to this brand. When the brand has spent all of this time and effort creating their brand loyalty, creating value, now somebody else is benefiting from that, right? Okay. okay. Um, so that's the whole purpose of bots. Bots come in, they are an automated programming tool that hackers use to take up all of the inventory, to purchase products right when products drop, and then they sell it on the secondary market in order to benefit. Mm, that's not fair. Well, no. <laughs> since we're rolling back, I'm not going to let mm -hmm. you get away unless you really sure. want. No, no, no. I like so it. Most of my audience is used to hearing about someone's past on how they came into the Web3 space, how they yes. came into this area. And when I asked you that question, you were so excited about ShopX. You just jumped I know. in. So I really want to just keep winding back while I, Let's go, go, back. I go in that direction. Okay. So we're going to go forward again, but I still want to go back to, because when I looked at your bio, I, I was very impressed. I was quite impressed. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Who are you? Yeah. Jay? Yeah, absolutely. Before Shop ShopX. I love this story because I feel like at the time, my reasoning for getting into this space was very unconventional at the time. And I think right now it's becoming more and more relevant. But to wind this all the way back, uh, my background was in private sector finance. I was an economics major. I, I worked in private sector finance. I then went over to sales. If you guys heard of Equinox, I, I worked there for several mm -hmm. years building their sales community. Uh, I, I've... Uh, pretty much had a background in sales for 10 years. So anything go to market strategy wise is really my my niche. I really built a strong, strong um, uh, business around sales and operation and startups. Uh, where I got into blockchain actually was a very different reason than what a lot of other people got into this um, technology for. A lot of people were getting in at 2016, 2017, because they saw an opportunity to make money. They saw opportunities to invest a little bit and to have a huge return. Right. I was never in to, uh, in fact, that actually, if you ask my business partner, it took me actually a little bit more time to mm -hmm. get into the blockchain space because I didn't like that. I didn't like the shortcuts. I didn't like the shortcuts to making money. I didn't like what people were calling pump and dump schemes. All of that actually almost deterred me from getting into this space. Right. Um, it wasn't until I saw what the technology could do and what it could solve that I was very bought in. But this was also very early. A lot of mm -hmm. people weren't understanding this yet. And I was even having a tough time understanding it as well. Um, I understood it conceptually, but it was a very hard um, transition to actualize this in the real world. So my yeah, transition yeah. actually did take some time. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, there, there was, uh, because there was so little governance, you were also seeing, you know, a very dark side to crypto. And still to this day, I always tell people, I'm not a trader. I, I don't consider myself an expert trader. Don't ever take trading advice from me. I actually follow other people that you know are traders and I take their yeah. advice. What I'm an expert at is really building blockchain technology and how to implement them into systems today that can really use that technology. There's the technology adoption side of this community, but there's also that, you know, 
trading kind of like in today's world stocks and certain things like there's there's experts that that mm-hmm. help you with that i'm not that expert <laughs> uh, i'm not that expert that's going to tell you when to buy certain coins and what to what to what to buy and what to avoid um what i can tell tell everybody is where i think blockchain can help uh their current business, where if you are thinking about building a business, where blockchain and Web3 technology can help you and and how to really adopt uh, blockchain technology to your customers, people that may not understand what this is, how to dilute that languaging. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I got into the space around 2016, 17, because I saw, especially Ethereum, I saw what the introductions of smart contracts um, and escrows could do um, in in all of our companies right now, in e-commerce alone, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of money being wasted towards third-party intermediaries, drop shipping, third-party governance. I think billions of dollars are um, are, are wasted every year on double sales, right? Um, or or drop shipping, and this technology can solve that. So when I saw it, I, we we've been building this for a while now. Uh, we saw that this technology could solve it, and right now it's really the time when people are starting to adopt it, which is really cool for me to see after working in this for several years. Well, I'm excited to hear about that because what I really liked when I looked at your uh, background was that you were in that blockchain space and the mm-hmm. technology, and that's why I decided to do the podcast because when I started learning the benefits and the efficiencies that it could provide and the impact it could have on society. I just didn't understand why more people didn't understand it, why we didn't have mass adoption, why some of the suppliers are trying to build the blockchain technology, but they're not getting the buy-in from the big box stores or some of the other shippers. And then I can tell are, you why. Yeah, tell me why. Tell us why. Tell me why. I've been wanting to know this. <laughs> the, the purpose of blockchain is to remove third-party dependence, right? That's a, right. A, that's a big portion of, at least with... You know, Ethereum, at least with Bitcoin, with transactions, right? A big part of it is to remove third party governance because they have a big stronghold. When we talk about e commerce, we talk about like the big four, like the Amazon, the Alibabas, mm-hmm. the Ebays, right? Same thing with Bitcoin and the Fed, right? But guess who has the power to tell the narrative on what is happening in the world right now? It's the third party intermediaries, the people that have the money. Right. right. They're telling this story and they're telling things about, you know, uh, they're, they're creating this narrative and focusing on all the negative aspects of mm-hmm. Web3 because they know if we were to adopt all of this, they lose power. And unfortunately, at the end of the game in the world that we live in right now, it's a big fight for power right now. And people are telling different stories in the media. And you saw this reflected in 2022. Um and I'll t- I'll give a little bit uh, about policy and certain things here. When people like the SEC with Gary Gensler, they're unable to define what we're doing here in the states, and you see media also taking big cases like SBF with FTX and the crashes. And I'll I'll unwind that a little bit. But the point here is, we are only there's about I say two percent of people in the states that really understand what crypto is. Right, ninety eight percent don't really understand. And I guarantee some people listening to this may not understand entirely what I'm talking about. But imagine if a very powerful entity like the media wants to educate the community about this, right? All of a sudden, the 2% 2 that really know what we're talking about, we're now considered liars, right? Because the 98% is listening to media telling them a whole story that's that's only benefiting them. Mm Mm-hmm. 
That's right? true. And when that we happens. come out, and when we come out and we tell them, actually, no, there's a lot of good use cases around blockchain technology. There's a lot of good use cases around NFT technology. Uh, we're the liars now, right? Because they have already they've already said NFT technology is a scam. NFT technology, you know, um, Web Web three mm-hmm. is, is a scam. Then that's what ninety eight percent of the community believes. Um, when in reality, there's uh, just to educate some people here, they they said that, you know, digital art was one of the biggest scam. And that's why you shouldn't get into into crypto. But newsflash, regular art is one of the largest money laundering tools in the world already. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just telling people that it doesn't matter what digital or not, it's money laundering, whether you use it in real life or it's digital, right? And people say that there's, um, there's a lack of security around crypto trading, but how many times have people been scammed with wiring? How many people have been, have gotten check frauds, right? Right. People are scamming people left and right. It's up to us to protect ourselves. So just to educate people on the other side of it, it, you know, there's a lot of great use cases around uh, blockchain technology and crypto that are, I I feel are being so strongly suppressed in the media that most people aren't even hearing about it. And that's true. Because I was surprised on the benefits for nonprofits, the supply Mm -hmm. chain, the things that can happen in regarding to uh, donors and, and and just an emergency across the world and just everything. There was just so many different benefits to it. Exchange rates and even international policy and international support. You know, I think I, I think it's about four or five years ago when Japan was able to help out South Africa, or a country in Africa through through crypto, just, you know, Supporting it helps the unbanked monetary. and the identity. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- those cases aren't being highlighted. Right? No. So I think it's more important. And I'm very glad that you're doing podcasts like this so that people can hear it. You know, people that understand, people that listen to, to you can start to understand the benefits uh, of what Web3 can do in our lives. Well, I thank you for saying that because that was the initial goal and the intent. I didn't understand what was happening when Intel came along in the 70s and 80s. I had no idea. And I missed that. And I and I didn't make any money and I didn't understand what was happening and how big it was going to be. When I really started understanding and I learned initially through someone on digital art. And once I understood the digital art and then I started wondering, well, why is there Web3 and what is an NFT? And I really started digging into it. It really were a lot of benefits that I couldn't understand. If we had mass adoption, there's a lot of benefits to this. So, yeah. let's move, so now let's move forward a little bit. So thank you okay. for that background. As we move forward, you mentioned a couple of times that businesses have need solutions. There's a lot mm-hmm. of problems that they need to solve, but you didn't really get into some of the solutions specifically. Can you help us understand what is it that those brands that come to you, mm-hmm. what type of issues are they having? Because I'm sure there's people thinking about, well, maybe I need to do this, or maybe I need to check into it. Did they have a problem like I'm having? Or maybe they don't even recognize it's an issue or a problem yet. Yeah. Or a pain point along the customer journey. Or the business system that they're operating or not operating could improve with efficiency or needs to be transitioned from legacy to best practices over into Web3. Can you give some tangible just yeah. a couple of bullet points on what some of the solutions are and what the issues are for the solutions. 
Yeah, I'm, this is actually a great timing for this question because most of us will be experiencing this next month. One of the biggest inefficiencies in e-commerce is the double sale problem. You're selling products that you don't have in your inventory because your inventory is probably set up by thousands of other vendors. Bed Bath & Beyond is a great example. They actually went bankrupt. Um, so when you have a lot of inventory that are being pulled by different sources, you actually don't know in live situations what inventory you have left. So what happens then is mm. customers online are buying products that are not on the shelf. Okay. Oh. This happens to me every year. I'm going to give you an example. I buy all of my Christmas gifts on Black Friday through Kohl's. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and every single year, Every year, without a doubt, I get an email back two days later saying, we're so sorry we don't have this inventory, mm. right? Um, we we can give you a refund. But it's very frustrating for me because let's say, so last year I was buying a luggage, right? Um, that luggage was on sale at Kohl's for $50, mm -hmm. right? By the time I got that notice, right, it was already past the sale date. Where had I is where now it's marked up to a hundred. Mm -hmm. Had I known at the time that the inventory wasn't there, I could have gotten in on another deal at another company, right? And right. got that Black Friday deal. But right. now I'm forced to pay full price for something that I wanted because they didn't have inventory. So at that point, I'm like, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. not gonna buy it. Give me the money back. I'm not buying it full price. Um, so that happens actually a lot. And people are gonna experience this, but with blockchain technology. You're able to tell where the inventory is at in live time, and you're able to make integrations so that customers don't experience the double sale problem. What I tell people is that most people understand Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin solves the double spend problem. You can't spend money that you don't have. I know this is a concept that people don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome Millennial, to America. <laughs> millennials don't understand this concept. You can't spend money that you don't have. One dollar given to you can't be one dollar given to somebody else, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> concept of the century. Um, our technology with Ethereum solves the same problem. You can't sell a product to somebody that's not on the shelf, okay? That's what smart contracts and escrows can do is that when when you have, people understand escrows for real estate, right? If you buy a house, you say, I'm gonna put in half a million into this house in this three-week process. And if all these check boxes are filled, mm -hmm. like the inspection, the appraisal and stuff, that money goes to the seller, right? right. Same thing with smart contracts and escrows through blockchain. If I'm going to buy something, my money goes into escrow. Mm -hmm. And then if A, B, and C are checked off, that money goes directly to the supplier. You don't need a third party or a third party vendor coming in, taking that money and then telling you, oh, let me accept that money. Oh, but we don't have that product. That pro that transaction never goes through in with blockchain technology unless the concepts of the escrows are fulfilled. Um, so, so, so it solves a very big problem that we have with the double spend problem. It's a problem for brands. It's a problem for consumers as well. I just gave you an example of how it's a problem for the consumer just right, on purchasing. Right. But the problem for the brand is loss in revenue, which is even worse for the brand. They're going to lose revenue and have to do refunds and exchanges. And then imagine shipping, right? There, there's a lot of inefficiencies that happen with the double um 
the double sale problem. So that's basically the retail advantage and the e-commerce advantage for what you really provide. That's your primary solution for helping the brands and their retail process and their consumer and pain points and minimizing those pain points along the journey. That's one of many, many, many solutions. What's another big one? What's another big one? Um, I love, okay. I, I used to love shopping. Okay. Um, I, I used to love all the loyalty programs. I used to love mm-hmm. being ambassadors to brands and stuff. My favorite use case actually is with uh, our Shopify plugin, actually, where you can actually create membership programs for your customers where we can now own our loyalty. So imagine, you know, Lululemon has this um, sweat collection. Right. Uh, community. And in that in that program, you whenever you purchase, if you're an influencer or an avid purchaser, you get 25% mm-hmm. off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but imagine if I could buy that pass and I can own it, right? And now everybody that's buying, I know is making my pass more valuable, right? Like it's almost like a timeshare, right? If I know that I have some sort of stake in this that the value is going to go up. I'm going to mm-hmm. refer everybody into this brand. I'm going to tell <laughs> yeah. all my friends to shop. I'm not going to go to the competitors because I want my money to go up, right? I I'm want gonna my. Go to, I'm gonna get everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna get everybody. Yeah, it's gonna be everybody's like Christmas gift. So, I love that use case because now brands get to have their brand ambassadors actually in the community, and brand ambassadors feel empowered because they actually see the upside of it in today's e-commerce mm. landscape. The only way anybody benefits is if you're spending. It's a one-way street. Um, they give you discounts, right? But in order to access right. a discount, you need to spend. Buy one, get one free. You need to spend, right? There's no system right now that allows the customer to equally own as much of the benefit um, unless they're spending. That's true. So I don't get anything if unless I have this, you know, um, referral program with them. I don't get anything if I if I mm-hmm. tell people about a product, right? Maybe if I just love it and I want them to love it as well, but there's no benefit for me. So that's why I love the product where brands can now create their membership passes for a community of people that can now buy in to their community. It's almost like creating stock, right? Not really. I hate, there, there's a lot of technical um, liabilities around that, but it's almost like giving people some um, ownership into your brand. Imagine the hockey stick effect or the exponential growth that you right. can have in right. just brand loyalty, in in, in conversations <clears throat> happening on Instagram and in conversations happening on Twitter. Uh, you actually are expanding your network effect around people that are already buying your stuff and improving the experience at the end of the day, improving the experience. So before we go to the upside of your wishes, let's talk about what keeps you up at night. Everything that you know about web three, your background, the blockchain Mm -hmm. development, the technology, the startups, the brands, what keeps you up at night that you worry about with us going forward in this space? Is there anything that concerns you that we hope we work on or fix or modify or at least address? Yeah, I love that question. Uh, The biggest thing to me is education. And I I always 
I tell people, you don't have to see things in my lens because I can tell you what I think. Um, but I want you to know what you think as well. One of my biggest um, concerns around this space is that the wrong person is telling the story. I think media is telling the wrong story around what crypto is. I think they're telling, and it does keep me up at night because it affects our business. At the end of the day, you know, if they decide, if the U.S. decides they're not going to define what a security token is, and and they're 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 going to make laws that force our businesses to go overseas, that affects everybody in our community. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of people, eighty percent of people, are lazy readers, meaning they don't read past the headlines. Okay, so. The biggest thing that I tell people is just research. Do your own research that's not on mainstream media. Maybe pull up articles, maybe pull up use cases and you decide for yourself. Mm -hmm. But it's important. It's important at this time. This is just this is not just something that's um, oh, let the technical people figure it out or oh, let the lawmakers figure it out because it's going to affect the way you purchase. It's going to affect your ownership. It's going to affect your money, the way we spend money. Um, and I just tell people, I will tell you my perspective, but I also want you to go in and you to research as well and learn your perspective. Maybe that's, you know, a podcast every morning while you're walking your dog, or maybe that's, you know, listening, replacing music at the gym with once a week with, with a podcast, or maybe it's reading an article every morning before you log into your email, something. Uh, but it does very much worry me how lazy our community is at reading and researching. And, mm. and I hope that we do a little bit better at researching what's happening, current events, and not just taking sound bites from the people that want us to believe what they want us to think. So in my old school days, hanging around the earth for a long time, I would call that, can anybody do any critical thinking anymore? Yeah. <laughs> that is not like that has been lasting for a long, long time. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it there. That might be another podcast we can work on. Okay. But I would love to join you on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We know what we're talking about. So before we go, so what is on your wish list? Mm -hmm. Oh, what there's so many things. things. <laughs> what's, what's, tell, us, tell us a little bit. I always get a lot of good information with the wish list. So what's going on with your wish list? Or is this my personal? Going on that you want to share? It could be personal. This, you know, this podcast, I think for why there's so many listeners and they like the vibe of the podcast is mm -hmm. because it was important to me that one, regular folks, people that had jobs in other areas, careers, or entrepreneurs, nonprofits, all got a background, but something made them change, pivot, modify, think, learn, grow, and share the information. All hands on deck, I think, are necessary right now. And yep. to move forward, I think everybody just really needs to go along, get along, and we all need to move in this together. So yeah. I would say they are really looking for about you. What are you thinking? Why are you thinking that way? Who you are and where you want to go as a person? And how does that work with the Web3 environment? And how do you embrace that yeah. with who you are? Because that's what people are doing right now. How do I learn all this technology? How do I do AI? Why do I have to learn something new? Why do I have to make so many changes? But it's something all of us are going through right now. There's just a big paradigm shift in so many areas. So if you want to share personal or business or both, have I'm going to do both. We I have know. a few. I have a few, actually. There's... Uh, 
I'll start with the business just because that's the note that we're on right now. I, I When I was at a conference in 2016, I, I had no idea what people were talking about at the time. Um, and a woman just got on stage and she said, fail fast, really just do it um, and fail fast because we're at the beginning of something extremely, uh, extremely new. Mm. And I'll tell you a story, actually. I forget what year it was like 2000. I want to say 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working in sales and a girl comes in and, you know, in sales, you're like, what do you do? What's your business? Blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, I, I'm an Instagrammer. And I remember being like, I've like, I know the app because the app has been out, right, for a couple years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so it confused the hell out of me that she's an Instagram. I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> like you post pictures and that's your job. Like, do you have like a sugar daddy? Do you have something? Do you have family? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't get it. Um fast for and I never got it for that whole year. I just like, cool, you have the money. Great. I'll take your money. <laughs> this is sales. Mm-hmm. I I see her exp- like exploding on Instagram, getting like traveling, doing certain things and like understanding, like finally it clicked. Like she's monetizing on her follower base of getting information out. But in 2012, this was not at all a, a phenomenon. Understand right? it, yeah. And as a millennial, millennials, we're very about how people see us we're very about social validation and the quick and easy quick and easy fix so I, I instantly thought oh my god had I gotten this on it earlier I could have made so much money on this not just for me for my businesses for certain things but at that time I would have just been an been an adopter a bit than somebody that just mm-hmm. uh, got into got into it when other people did just because it was normal so me getting into it had no benefit because I wasn't a first mover right she was a first mover Right. right. I'm like, I've been to these places. I've flown first class. Why am I not getting paid for this? <laughs> right. 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 Um, and so that's when I really realized I don't know much about this, but I know it's coming. And mm-hmm. if I just step into it, I can be a first mover. And right now, even this day, people that get into it now can be first movers too. There's so many industries. There's so many different ways that you could be first movers in this space. Um, no one's going to know what they're doing. So I just always say, fail fast, get into it and research, do your own research, treat this. I remember thinking my first big expense, I was going to a conference, plane ticket, hotel, conference admission was a lot. And I remember thinking to myself, I paid way more for my college tuition than for this, right? And if this can just be an educational thing where I can learn, where I can get into the game, where I can hopefully monetize something in less than less than, you know, months where college is four years. Right. Right. So I, I just told myself like, this is my investment in my education. And if I fail, I spent way less than the money I spent on college to not come <laughs> up with a degree that was useful. Right. Um, so that's why I always tell people, think of it as an investment. It is the time. Um, I will always tell people that it's the time and maybe you do it and you have something extremely successful. Maybe you do it and you fail and you, you get up and do it again. Uh, most people will never know how many times I failed and it, it far exceeds the times that I've been successful. Um, so that's business. I always just say, get in, treat this as an investment. It's coming. Mm -hmm. Y'all understood like these influencers doing very mundane things, getting paid for it, that both you and I should be getting paid for it. But we didn't get into it soon enough. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We understand that. And then the personal one, this is my personal wish list. um, And this is completely off topic, but 
I want to create a self, you know, um, an ecosystem of food and land and acreage where we can have our own little community and teach people how to farm, teach people how to make their own food without preservatives and create this little ecosystem where we actually understand how the ecosystem works in our reality. I hate using the word sustainable because I think right. that, that means certain things to certain people, but that's my kind of wish list because I just got back from traveling to Europe and Asia where they don't put preservatives in the food. And I want to create that here because I cannot tell you how awful we feel eating American food after being abroad. Well, I'm trying to get to the point where I just eat clean again. I used to years ago, and now I'm really on a mission to try to do that again. So I'm going to hope that that last wish and your other wishes come true. So everyone, we have had TJ Chang. And how can we reach you, get in touch with you? You want to share that with the audience? Yeah, LinkedIn. I can drop my LinkedIn no, and we can put it in the bio here. LinkedIn is probably the best way um, to reach me or on my Twitter. It's get it done, TJ. I just like to get things done, uh, but would love to hear from you guys and would really hope that, you know, if if anything, you've piqued, we've piqued your interest on learning something new. Maybe you understood something, maybe you didn't, maybe you put a podcast on this week, but hoping that we just move the needle along around getting some education around Web3. So we're going to move more than the needle and we're going to continue down our path on pivoting to Web3 podcast. And as I had mentioned last episode, we were going to see ShopX again and this time with TJ Chang. So thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Good morning or good evening and take care. And I will be seeing you soon at Pivoting to Web3 podcast. Thanks for listening to Pivoting to Web3 at PivotingToWeb3.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so that it gets to you with every episode that comes out. We have lots of great opportunities, limitations, and downward spirals being revealed by our guests. And thank you in advance for all your reviews and comments. I appreciate you so much. I look forward to serving you in the next week's episode.